Hi there. If you've been enjoying the content that the American Soccer Crash Course podcast has been putting out, please go ahead and like and subscribe on YouTube, or go ahead and rate us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify Music. We greatly appreciate the support, and our producer has been asking for a bit of a raise, so we'll take all the help we can get. Thanks. All right, welcome back to the American Soccer Crash Course. As you can see, we've dropped from 50-something days down to 34 days to the World Cup. A little hiatus for the boys here, but uh, we're really happy to be back. And today's a big one. We're going to be giving you the Christian Pulisic episode, which, uh, to our knowledge, that's really the only household name in American soccer. Uh, our friend Joe here, I, I think even he, he knows who Christian Pulisic is. So really excited to break this one down for you and really tell the people at home why uh, Pulisic's a USMNT legend. That means U.S. Men's National Team, by the way. That that acronym will get thrown around. Um, yeah, so just just to jump right into it, uh, first we want to introduce our casual fan of the day, Joe Birchie. Joe, you want to uh, give us a rundown of your kind of casual fan experience? Yeah, so before I was a fan, uh, I was a player, uh, first off, and mm-hmm. I would like to say that my career was from uh, early preschool throughout the fourth grade. Um, my career came to an end, an abrupt end, not because of the result of any injury or anything like that, but I accidentally, accidentally missed one of my games due to a Six Flags trip. And it was at that moment that I decided my priorities were not there anymore and I needed to look elsewhere for my athletic ambitions. Um, so, yeah, along with that... Um, Did you just quit midseason? Um, I think that that might have been the last game of the year or something. Regular Araldus Chapman, if yes, you will. Yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. I'm a little sussed out. You might just walk from the podcast midway through at this point <laughs> and because it's the christian pulisic episode I, I was actually thinking about this the other day and, and uh i was going through this topic in my head was how many men's national players of all time could i name yeah and he was one of four one of four all right yeah. all so right. yeah well, so that's that's pretty good I know we've talked about hitting the streets we're we're, we're gonna do it we're getting point. there yeah <laughs> but, it's in uh, the works <laughs> but our our challenge would be can anybody name name three so four, four is a pretty pretty solid number i would say yeah um, so yeah, just to walk through our agenda for this, this big Christian Pulisic episode, um, we're going to check in with what's been going on with American soccer players. Uh, Lodge and I made our perspective lineups in the first episode of the show with the goal of really tracking how these players would be doing. And so we're going to see if there might be any updates. Um, there will be. There, <laughs> yes, there you go. Uh, we're going to talk about today's man, which is, of course is Christian Pulisic. Um, we're going to do a little explain in music terms. Uh, segment uh, before going to rapid fire. Normally do rapid fire vocab. This is going to be rapid fire, like Christian Pulisic, greatest hits, uh, his his biggest career moments, which uh, have been documented in his new book, which people are saying he shouldn't write a book, but a little early. Little early. <laughs> uh, to do a quick check-in, um, the boys have been getting healthy since our last episode. We were talking about that poor international window and how we had several starters out who potentially would have made a difference. Without making excuses, some of those guys would have made a difference. Um, and all those guys are getting healthy. Tim Weah is back. Eunice Musa is back. Jedi Robinson is back. Jedi, uh, we did episode two on Jedi, so uh, so check that one out. But uh, those other guys, you, you will meet them in the near future. Um, on the other hand, the MLS season, we've had some MLS players get eliminated from the playoffs uh, we're going to do an episode soon on what the implications for this World Cup, its timing, and especially some of the MLS players. Um, that's coming up, but for now, 
just know that a few MLS players got eliminated. Um, as for our star watch, our best players, Pulisic and McKenney, uh, Christian Pulisic, the man right here, he uh, came back and started a game for Chelsea under their new coach and had a really good game and scored. However, still not gotten too much playing time. We think he's going to play tomorrow uh, in the Premier League. So, so watch quick, out for that. Quick question. Yeah. How many members of the men's national team are MLS players versus a, uh, players in other foreign leagues? Yes. Glad you would take this. It's about 10. 10 out of 26, I would say. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and so there's been a big chunk of them. And then now another question. Yeah. Uh, other international teams, do they have any MLS players on any other na national teams that you can think of? For sure. I mean, the, so fun fact about the MLS, uh, most of the players actually are not American. Like the vast, vast majority are not American. Mm. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of, I would say through certainly not very many European countries would have any MLSers, but throughout the rest of like, you know, North South America, I would say maybe you'll get like one guy here, one guy there, especially like smaller South American countries, mm -hmm. like maybe like Paraguay or something like that. Ecuador, so, Colombia, definitely. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, plus I got one good game. Weston McKenney uh, is, is struggling. You're going to meet him. And there's a big uh, position battle at striker, which is the person who puts the goals in. And several of our strikers have begun to really ramp up their production. So uh, to name them, PFOC, Pepe, and Sargent are all putting goals in right now. So yeah, so Lodge, to kick it over to you. Apologize for the viewers if none of that made much sense, but important to get a little check-in. Lodge, what does your lineup look like right now? So my lineup's pretty much staying the exact same from what it was at the beginning um, and as far as the back and the midfield. So still in goal, probably Matt Turner. I don't think that changes at all. Left back, Jedi Robinson. We did the episode on him. Uh, Walker Zimmerman and Chris Richards, if he's healthy. If not, um, ooh, that's tough. Um, I'm going to leave that one. I'm going to say anybody but Aaron Long. Uh, if you don't know why, check out, check out our last episode. Um, and then it, or first episode, yeah. Uh, lastly, in the back, uh, Serginio Dest, um, getting some playing time at AC Milan in the Italian League, which is good. Not doing that great, but there's more room for improvement. Um, midfield, still going to go with McKenney, Musa, and Tyler Adams, uh, guys that we'll all touch on later. And then, as Kristen mentioned, coming back from injury, Timothy Weah, that we're excited about. Uh, the main man for today's episode, Christian Pulisic. And then, up top, I'm going to make a change. Uh, originally, I did have PFOC. I think right now, based on form alone um, and the amount of looks that he's getting and you know the confidence and what that takes and what that means for a striker, I'm going to go Josh Sargent. Um, he's, he's a redhead. You definitely know him when we bring him up. Um, and he's definitely one to look out for coming into this World Cup. Joe, what is form? What is form? Yeah. Uh, the composure a player has on the pitch. Uh, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so form, a little, little soccer vocab, is basically just like how a player is trending. Trending, okay. Yeah, so like the very short-term like analysis of how they've been doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so Lodge, I, I'm keeping much of what I'm doing. My, I believe in the first episode I had Brendan Aronson playing right wing. I'm going to switch that to Tim Weah. Um, during the last few games the U.S. had, a lot of the offense was very congested. It was all coming through the middle of the field. Tim Weah is like a fast player. He's got lots of tricks up his sleeve. Uh, he can really take the game to the outside, spread the offense out a little bit, make sure. things a little bit more dynamic. Uh, another question you raised, Chris Richards. 
ideally we'd love to have him, uh, but he's still he's at Joe. I believe you actually said your favorite club is Crystal Palace. I, I don't get the sense that you watched their game today. Uh, no, but I follow their Twitter account. Okay, <laughs> there, there you go. Uh, and so Chris Richards is on Crystal Palace, but he's still hurt. So I it I mean thirty four days. It's time's ticking. Uh, Less than five weeks. Yeah, I'm I'm Chris Richards out. Uh, not that it's that serious, but I think I want Cameron Carter Vickers in. Uh, at the other starting center, other starting center back place. Um, so yeah, that uh, that's about as as in the weeds as we're going to get here. Uh, I'm going to tap in the uh, the fourth member of our crew here, Max Heath, and we are going to break down our main man today, Christian Pulisic. So absolutely. So just a reminder for those of you who are joining us. Um, Really what we're covering on the podcast is talking about all of the different starters that are going to be on this U.S. men's national team. The most important player that we'll definitely talk about, and one many of you will know, is Christian Pulisic. Uh, to start off this episode, we'd like to go over a clip from Pawn Stars, uh, the lovely American show, and really a clip that goes over uh, how he's perceived in the United States. Hey, how's it going? So what do we got here? I have a signed Christian Pulisic jersey, plays for Chelsea FC team in the Premier League. This guy's like the phenom guy, right? He's like the LeBron James of soccer. Definitely. I got to give him credit where it's due. I mean, soccer wouldn't be my choice. A lot of running. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. I'm at the pawn shop today to try and sell my signed Christian Pulisic jersey. I'm a huge soccer fan and even more so a Christian Pulisic fan. But I'm looking to sell it to try and upgrade my guitar. I'm hoping to get $1,500 today. Christian Pulisic is only going to go up in value. This is pretty cool. Christian Pulisic is an American soccer player. He plays for Chelsea in England. And do you know what positions it is? Yeah, he plays center midfield and sometimes uh, center forward. His nickname is Captain America because he was the youngest player to ever be a captain of an American team. Both his parents played college soccer and then his mom through like a teacher's exchange program brought him uh, with her over to England and he started playing soccer over there. He ended up being one of the top players in the Premier League, which I mean, for an American, that's a pretty far and few between. He is probably one of the most watched on the Chelsea team. Okay, so what are you looking to get out of it? About 1,500. Okay, um, I'd like to have somebody come take a look at the signature, do you mind? That's okay with me, yeah. All right, I'll be back with you, all right? Thank you. I'm hoping that the expert will get close to my asking price. I think that once he sees the framing and the signature, he's gonna agree with my price. So yeah, this is it, Steve. Oh, cool. Hey, how you doing? Oh, nice. Do you know much about this? You're a big soccer fan, aren't you? Clearly. (laughs) Christian Pulisic is one of the finest soccer players or football players in the world. And he plays in England, he plays for Chelsea, and the kid's 22 years old. So, you you know, you imagine the talent this guy has. You know, we think of guys like Messi or uh, Ronaldo, and this kid's already being compared to all that. All right. So coming back from that Pawn Stars clip, one thing before we get too far into this is I want to point out that there were a lot of wrong things that they talked about there. Number one, his position. Uh, Number two, his story, how he got into England and playing. Um, And those are definitely things that we're going to cover. But I want to point out just the fact that he's now the number one soccer player in the United States. And still people have no idea what's going on with him. Just to talk about, you know, how young this sport is um, and how much we think it can grow. It's pretty remarkable he's on the same trajectory as a young Ronaldo and young Messi, like it was pointed out in the video. <laughs> yeah, uh, I wouldn't quite say that, but 
Yeah. Um, well, without further ado, Max, you want to talk a little bit about Christian? Yeah. Um, so I guess just a little introduction on, on Christian Pulisic. Uh, contrary to what uh, our friend in the Pawn Stars video said, he actually plays uh, as a winger. He plays left wing. Um, and he is really fast, is really his defining characteristic. He, he's fast, he's a good dribbler, he likes to take people on, one-on-one, uh, -on -one, which sort of makes his, his play style a bit uh, feast or famine because there's certain games when he's taking people on and able to get by them and, and look great. Uh, and there's other games where he tries to do that, loses the ball, and, and looks not so great. So his, uh, his playing style, I would say, just lends itself to some volatility, um, and I think that's you know one of the themes, I think, with Christian Pulisic. But... Um, when he's on, it, it is a really fun player to watch, as we'll talk about. Um, but when he's off, you know, not as much. But yeah, and, and as we've talked about, his, his nickname's Captain America, obviously being, you know, the captain of the team, as well as uh, the LeBron James of soccer, which, which is a funny one. He also has, uh, similar to LeBron James, does have a great sleeve of tattoos, which is, you know, quite a nice sleeve, I will say. Yeah, so. it's pretty cool. Uh, to talk a little bit more about Christian's story, um, his mom may have been a teacher, but definitely didn't go to England, and that's how he got into European soccer. Uh, what happened was he was actually playing in a Youth World Cup for the United States, uh, born and raised in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And what uh, kind of transpired is Dortmund, um, Christian's favorite team. I'm a Bayern fan, another team in Germany. Uh, but Dortmund was has world-renowned academy and they actually scouted him brought him over and one thing to note is that he was brought over at the young age of 16 usually for a united states player or many national players you do have to wait to go to europe until you're 18 um, that's just a rule as far as passports and everything like that but the reason that christian was actually able to circumvent that is because his dad had a croatian passport that is something that we definitely credit to christian's ability to thrive at such a young age playing in that Dortmund team, getting first team minutes very quickly, and really playing in an area that allowed him to grow and progress from such a young age is why we were talking about him for even before the last World Cup, why he was the number one man, why we're still calling him the LeBron James of soccer, things like that. So real quick, is there any uh, realistic path that Christian Pulisic could have taken through a college route? Uh, say he went to the, the, the best men's college soccer program in the nation. Is there any way that he gets to where he's at through the uh, university program, American University? So my personal opinion, no. The reason that I say that is because when you're in an academy from such a young age, your whole life is revolving around soccer. It's no longer how much work you can do in school to kind of propel yourself, although school is a little bit on the back burner. A lot of these people get high school equivalent degrees, um, things like that. It is soccer, 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 and then a little bit more soccer. Yeah, I, I will say, though, like I, I think that's becoming more plausible now more than ever. Uh, I think to have the success Christian's had at, at the young age uh, that's not possible I think if you play play college soccer it's just a completely mm -hmm. different ball game but someone like for say for example Zach Steffen which is one of the goalkeepers for for the United States he played at Maryland I believe was mm -hmm. it um, and he's kind of carved out a pretty successful European career albeit at, as, at a goalkeeper position which is different but I think it's becoming a path that's you know more plausible even like Jack Harrison Lodge like mm -hmm. he's played at Wake Forest and now another good point yeah so I think it's becoming more possible but to be able to you know come from college and automatically be starting in the Premier League um that's it's really not realistic but uh. so continuing on uh with the story of Christian Pulisic when he moved uh to Germany I think he was 16 as I mentioned earlier uh, he moved with his father uh from a very 
kind of isolated space. And so a lot of it was still focused around that training. He had conversations um, in interviews where he was talking about the fact that he was really isolated from the rest of the players. Although some of them spoke English, uh, it was difficult because they had all bonded around German soccer for such a long time. They had bonded around the European experience. When his father left, he remembered going into classes where they were just speaking to the class in straight German. He had no idea what was going on, and it was pretty much a uh, sink or swim situation. Uh, there were times where he mentioned crying coming home from class because he just didn't know what went on that day. Um, to be in that environment and not to have, you know, a family is de- definitely something that um, kind of stuck with him. And where he found solace was in playing. I mean, he he really just poured his life, heart, and soul into it. Uh, moving up through the ranks very, very quickly and getting into those first team very early. He was actually um, bar German players. He was the youngest player to ever score in the Bundesliga, the German league, um, which is a very, very important accomplishment and why he got so many of those comparisons to Messi, Ronaldo, players like that from such a young age. Kind of continuing on, I think around that time, yeah, it was around that time, once he had that goal, um, moved into the first team, he started to get more and more minutes. This was a time when uh, players such as, um, I think, Jaden Sancho came in, another England young talent uh, similar to Christian. He came into the Borussia Dortmund team um, and ended up usurping him. But before that had happened, um, he was actually in the line for the youngest or the best young player of the year, um, which is called, what is it? Uh, the Copa, I believe, the Copa Trophy. Um, he came in sixth, I want to say. Uh, another name that we'll mention, or you'll probably hear moving up into the World Cup, is Kylian Mbappe, uh, French's number one striker. He's the one who ended up winning that. Uh, but to be in the running for anything like that for a young American is astounding to hear. Yeah, uh, and then I guess on sort of the U.S. perspective, I mean, he, he breaks into the Dortmund team really young, um, obviously scores youngest goal scorer in the Bundesliga history and pretty much instantly becomes the star of the show from from about the age of 17. I mean, they instantly kind of just put this kid, um, you know, on, on all the tickets and all the uh, and all the you know pregame manuals um, and is really from from a really young age to star of the show, which I think is a little different than how it maybe work if he was European. But um, he comes in right away and actually performs really well for the U.S. as well. Um, scores a couple of goals and, and pretty I mean, I don't what age was he given the captaincy? I mean, like he had to be pretty young. I think I think it was like 18. I think it was like really, really young because it was before the last World Cup. Yeah. Going into the World Cup qualifiers, the ones that we will not talk about on this podcast, we refuse to do so. Uh, but some of those really terrible games, I remember him having the armband and putting that kind of pressure on a young kid. Although he tried his hardest to live up to the to the limelight, um, you know that just shows the talent that he had from such a young age. I would say. Yeah, no, and, and he came in super young, and it's weird now, you know, at only 23 years, 23 years old, the same age as basically we are, he's sort of like an elder statesman of this team now, and really one of the only, one of the only remaining players that were on that 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 tragic um, 2018 World Cup qualifier. So, um, yeah, so which is, it's interesting, it is crazy thinking about you know how he basically is one of the elder statesmen at, at 23, but yeah. And as far as his game goes, uh, did people figure it out? Was he a one-trick pony? What what was it that that slowed down his progression from sort of this phenom status to now, uh, you know, the elder statesman that people, you know? Uh, yeah, no, great question. I think number one is injuries. Um, a player such as him where he's all attack, all go at all times, um, he definitely needs to be able to run quickly, have the endurance, have the stamina. And the problem with him is his hamstrings. 
So although you want to go and you want to be able to go, um, once you lose a little bit of that speed or a little bit of that kick, um, it can take a while to get that confidence back. So that was where he started to struggle, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, but one thing that he's definitely doing is evolving his game a little bit, so it's not just focus on speed and beating a man, but also developing in other areas. Yeah, I mean, I will say on the U.S. side, I mean, he still is like the guy. I, I think despite his struggles, he's really he's still the best player that we got. I, I think um, it, it, more so his struggles are talked about in the context of his club play with Chelsea, and that's just really – like Lodge said, the injuries are a big factor, but it's also so competitive. Like if he's not, you know, scoring goals, um, you know, they have another f player they paid fifty million for it to come in right behind him. So um, it's easy to get kind of you know turned out pretty quickly. So, yeah. and we'll be talking a little bit more about that Chelsea portion, but right now we're going to take a quick ad break. All right, guys, welcome back. Christian tapping back in here for Max. It's going to be a little bit of a, a tag team here, uh, but wanted to tell you about the Paul Farrington show. Uh, so, Joe, you're familiar with Paul. I am, yeah. You familiar with his work? Uh, a little bit, yeah. You, you, why don't you read that? It's not on a piece of paper. Why don't, why don't you just tell us about the Paul Farrington Show? Well, the Paul Farrington Show is a great perspective on all things NFL, all things fantasy, and is a one-stop shop for, for all your uh, NFL and football information that you, you the casual fan might want yeah. or, the, uh, or the intense uh, NFL might want, fan might want. Well said, well yeah. said. So, yeah, check out Paul's show. Uh, we're going to be bouncing back and forth, promoting one another. But uh, awesome show for NFL. Definitely sprinkles in some college and uh, and some betting as well. So thanks for thanks for doing that on the spot, Joe. Oh, of course, uh, <laughs> got to look alive around here. Yeah. Um, so this is an analogy that's been in the back of my brain long before any any podcast was there. Sure. Um, seem to seem to be getting an analogy once an episode or now Christian yeah explain in blank terms so yeah. normally it's explained in NBA or NFL but today's explaining music terms um so this was an era, era of mine you know high school a little angsty loved love that just like 2000s rock kind of thing so um Birchie what is the one song from college that just got beaten to your head so many times that you couldn't bear to listen to it normally like a closed down at the bar kind of song Mr. Brightside or right. you Weezer. 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 Stop oh, right there. Mr. Brightside. <laughs> so I want to talk about Mr. Brightside today. I want you to think of Mr. Brightside. Do you want to sing it loud? I was actually going to put it up, but it, was, it might get copyrighted. I'm going to, I'm going to pass on that. All right, I appreciate fair, fair it. I want you to think of Mr. Brightside as the moment, as the climax of, if you will, of American soccer. I don't know what that looks like exactly. I don't know if that's winning a World Cup. That would be ambitious. I don't know if that's semis. I don't know if it's beating Brazil. I don't know what it is. But it's the moment that we all look at one another and go, this is a proper soccer country and like a proper player on the international stage. So I want you to think of Mr. Brightside as that. Who's Mr. Brightside by, Lodge? You're kind of thinking about it for a while. Yeah, Are you serious right now? No, I mean I'm not thinking about it. It's Christian. It's Christian Pulisic. There's, there's no. No, 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 oh. no, no. Oh, the, the killers. Yes, the exactly. Yeah, the killers. The killers. So you're asking killers. me who's the killers yeah, in this it, situation? Okay. Yeah, sorry, I jumped sorry. the gun. I definitely jumped the gun there. Yeah. All right. So I want you to think about the killers as the group that is going to win the U.S. Maybe it's that World Cup. Whatever that moment is, whatever that looks like, the talented group that vaults us on the world stage okay now the killers are a product of many bands like them think like 
Arctic Monkeys, like Franz Ferdinand, all those, any of those bands, if you've heard, heard those songs. Yeah, so, so there's, they're one of several. So in a sense, yeah, they, they obviously deserve all the credit for Mr. Brightside and, you know, closing down the bar like many nights in college. But they are one of many that could have got that kind of pinnacle, that song, right? All right, now I want to talk about one more band, and that is The Strokes. That is my favorite band. So The Strokes in 2001 came out with an album, Is This It? Is This It, yeah. You like that one? Big fan. Richie? I, I don't know. You're no, not sure. Okay, anyways, anyways. Um, but Is This It, like, was a huge thing, especially, like, it floated over to the UK and, and back again to the US. Um, but essentially, it was this sound, this kind of like rock sound that had some like 70s and 80s mixed in, but also some, some Tom Petty and some American Girl. A little bit. Yeah. So funny you say that. One of the Strokes songs was like... Oh, no, I'm aware. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they were, you know, said they copied uh, Tom Petty. But um, so that was, they, they kind of struck gold in the sense of not only like the songs they made on this album, but also like the sound, like people loved the sound and kind of this leap they made. They were like the first mover in this category, okay? And so I want you to think about Christian Pulisic as The Strokes, okay? Now, The Strokes, maybe some of you are hearing about them for the first time, and you know who the killers are, or you know who the Arctic Monkeys are. But The Strokes and Christian Pulisic are similar in that they were the first mover, okay? They did what no one else had done before, and they popularized a thing and a trend that would go on to really dominate their given space. And so when asked about, when the killers were asked about their song, Mr. Brightside, and how it compared to other bands, they said, Mr. Brightside and all our songs, we are not in the same category as The Strokes. The Strokes are a million times better than us. On the Arctic Monkeys, like 2016 album or whatever it was, their fir the first line of the album was, I just wanted to be one of The Strokes. In other words, all those bands that we talked about, that really could have made that Mr. Brightside song, all those quality bands, Arctic Monkeys, Killers, Franz Ferdinand, they were all inspired by the same band, The Strokes. Christian Pulisic is The Strokes of the U.S. men's national team, and here's why. Because at 15 years old, he was just a 15-year-old kid like any of us were, and he had talent, and he was scouted and whatnot. But Lodge, here's, a, here's something that I, I've thought about. You know, you, were, you played youth soccer, maybe not to that level Cer certainly not but but <laughs> so yeah, yeah, to clarify but he was scouted at a camp right like a world cup camp am i really supposed to believe that he was the first american talent to be scouted at a camp at 15 years old highly doubt it yeah uh, right right so it wasn't that he was it's not that he's our best soccer player ever because you know he essentially was the the most talented we've ever had but rather, he got a call at 15 years old, and at 15 years old, he decided to move his whole, his whole life over to Germany, where he didn't speak the language. Um, and to be clear, it's not like he got handed a contract and like the key, keys to the kingdom, so to speak. It was very much like a, okay, you can be in our academy, but like, who knows what's going to happen? Like he could have essentially thrown away his whole high school, maybe. I mean, at that point, college, right? Like, what do you even do um, to be this kind of first mover in this space? And so, as I say this, the United States men's national team's Mr. Brightside moment, whatever that is, there will be no one more to do with it than Christian Pulisic, because he has inspired like a massive 
sweeping generation of Americans to make that jump overseas, take that risk, and essentially normalize, like, moving your life over to Europe when it doesn't feel like it makes sense. Like, I, you know, there, there's there's a retort to this that says, hey, well, like, Brazilian kids have been doing this for however long Argentinian kids have been doing this like what makes Americans special in this context and what I would say is like if people around you are doing it if it's like the thing then you're going to be into it you're going to believe in it and like you're going to accept it with open arms uh, but when you feel like you're the you're the first mover you're the one of the only ones to do it um, it's a lot more daunting I'd say Jeff. yeah and one of the things I'm thinking about is you've talked about what's the pivotal moment on the field? Is it we get out of the group stage? Is it we beat Brazil? Is it we do X, Y, Z? Then there's the pivotal moment in terms of uh, youth soccer and and how the United States uh, views youth soccer. And then I'm thinking about also culturally, what is the pivotal moment culturally? Is the pivotal moment when I can name 10 soccer players and we have that kind of buy-in from the average American uh, sports fan? Is it that I will actually pay money uh, for extra soccer TV channels? Is it that I'm buying merchandise? What is the, what's the cultural pivotal moment that we need to see? Personally, I think that's yet to be seen. I mean, similar to how when the Strokes were making music, they didn't know that the Killers were going to come out. They didn't know that Franz Ferdinand was going to come out. All those great things came out of it, but it's almost like a wait and see. I also think, like you see, uh, we, we're getting a World Cup in four years. As Lodge and I have talked about on this podcast, like it's about eyeballs. So if they if these players can like in this World Cup coming up if they can capture hearts and minds, then the cultural aspect is a byproduct in my opinion, um, and even like there's there's kind of a there's kind of an idea out there that like Americans need to embrace the MLS in order for America to be a good soccer country. That's a whole, like a whole other conversation, but I don't believe the answer is yes. Not that that's and that's not anti MLS, despite the fact that we've been <laughs> accidentally anti MLS. But uh, I don't I don't believe that to be true. I just think that, as Law just said many times, America likes winners. So if this team can go out there and prove that, which is very much a byproduct of the, the kind of awesome things Christian Pulisic has done, um, then I think that cultural kind of change will happen. And so, in my opinion, despite the fact that it, to to finish the story on the Strokes, so the stro- Strokes burst on the scene, made this incredible album. And from there, like they were, went pretty slightly downhill. Obviously they had fans, which is like art is way more subjective thing, but there's a general consensus that they, they went downhill from there and inspired a wave of people who would really bring the quality out in, in this music. And in the, in the same way, Christian Pulisic, his career has already been rocky. It's been it's been filled with really cool moments, but his day to day has always been like a source of drama or whatnot for the U.S. Men's National Team. Um, so in that way, it's unclear whether or not his his legendary status is going to like continue in the next ten years that he plays. But in my opinion, he will always be a legend for that. Um, just to give you some numbers, when he went over in 2018, when he was really bursting on the scene. Um, there was nine players in the top five leagues in the Champions League in Europe. Um, several of those players, probably like three or four of them, were dual national players who were like half German, half American, who our coach at the time had recruited. Um, and today, just four years later, there's 22. Way more of those are players who lived in the U.S., decided to make that jump because they wanted to be like Christian Pulisic. Um, 
and it did so. And so that's that number is up from nine to 22. But then even if you expanded that into some of the other European leagues, like say the the soccer league that's in the Netherlands, which isn't as good as like the top ones, but is also more competitive than like the MLS with no disrespect. Um, that number is like way larger. That number is like grows from like 22 to 50. And so that's kind of like the level of impact um, his emergence at Dortmund takes. And that's why he is the strokes of the U.S. men's national team. Pulisic is the strokes. I like it. Yeah. All right. Max is tapping back in. End of analogy. Hope that hit home. <laughs> Christian's hopping off the soapbox for the night. Thank you, Christian. Yeah. All right. So tapping back in, Max. So back to talk about the strokes. So let's talk a little bit about Christian Pulisic's career. So number one, um, definitely a very shy character. I mean, coming in at a very young age into the national team, being in that spotlight, uh, where, you know, in Germany, he was a very shy guy. He was a regular kid growing up. He was a very shy. Um, being thrust into the spotlight has definitely proven for some super high highs and super low lows. Uh, but let's start rapid firing them back and forth and tell the pod a little bit about them. Yeah. So we're going to do some rapid fire big moments here. Um, the first one, it's really kind of you know, put Christian Pulisic on, so to speak, was the uh, 2017 German Cup. Uh, he got subbed on for Marco Reus, who's a, you know, pretty famous uh, German player and, and came on and drew the, the game-winning penalty, which was really kind of his introduction to the to the world stage, I would say. Following that up, something I mentioned a little bit earlier, but just to continue and reiterate, uh, in 2018, young English star Jaden Sancho came into Germany, uh, into the Dortmund team, and actually usurped Christian from playing um, while Dortmund was on the title challenge. Yeah, um, even with that, um, Christian Pulisic in 2019 was actually signed by Chelsea for $58 million, which at the time was... Pretty, it's a pretty huge fee um, for, for any player, Premier League, but for an American player, that was by far the, the largest transfer ever, and it was pretty I, – I, I can't even imagine. What do you think, like, the next largest one was at that time? It could have been not much more than, like, 20. Yeah, you know? I, I would mean, say maybe – John, John Brooks. John Brooks. Was, yeah, so John – From our producer. Highest, thank you, producer. Thank you. The, the highest transfer before this was 25. Christian Bullshit gets a $60 million transfer fee, which was a huge deal to Chelsea. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. Following that up, um, joining Chelsea in the summer of 2019, had a rather slow start going into the season, but definitely made it count in October of 2019, away at Burnley, uh, another premier team, um, known definitely to hold it in, pack it in, um, but he scored his first goal, and then he scored two more for Chelsea, so coming in with his first career hat trick, uh, which was pretty exciting to see. Yeah, and then the next rapid-fire moment is probably my one near and dear to my heart um, was lockdown Christian Pulisic um, during the COVID lockdown, probably at the peak of my soccer-watching uh, time. I was watching like almost all of these games, and Christian Pulisic went off. Um, in 11 of those games over lockdown, he had seven goals and four assists, looked like an absolute beast, looked like the best player in the field when he played. I remember watching it, being pumped up for America, literally singing the national anthem, watching no, I'm just kidding. But he looked incredible on the Premier League stage. Um, and I was like, wow, this this guy is, is for real. Um, to sort of bring in an NBA analogy, as we, as we like to do on this podcast, um, it's sort of like bubble Jamal Murray in a way. Like this, this vintage of Christian Pulisic was like insane. Um, it's almost like a bottle of wine. If you think of players like vintages, like – at this this vintage of Christian Pulisic was was something special. It was it was great, um, and and I really wish that we could we could get that vintage.
And one thing definitely to note is similar to Bubble Jamal Murray, Bubble Christian Pulisic also did not play in front of fans. Not saying that that definitely was one of the catalysts of it, but he he certainly performed when given the opportunity during that. Yeah, so you guys talked a little bit about transfers or, or buying players. Can you guys talk a little bit more about uh, how that differs from uh, you know the big four sports league contracts and, and how, exactly how that works a little bit? Uh, so actually, great question. Segways into next week's episode. Um, but just to give you a little bit of uh, background, the biggest thing is that players can get transferred um, halfway through the season in only one month periods and then in the off season. So you have a month between, I think, December and January that you can go ahead and pick somebody up midseason. Um, or you can also do loan contracts. But that's something that we're going to talk about next. So stay tuned. Should I not get any any more of the differences? Let's right let's let's okay. leave something to be desired. All right, all right. We'll 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 save the good stuff for next one. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. Flash forwarding uh, to Champions League 2021. We're going to talk a little bit about Chelsea's title run, uh, winning the Champions League, and the role Christian Pulisic played in that. So in the semifinal, first leg, Christian went against Real Madrid and actually scored. Um, the fantastic solo goal, dribbling all the way past quite a few different defenders. Um, great knee slide moment, if I remember correctly. And then in the second leg, follows it up with a great assist off the bench. Not sure why he didn't start after scoring in the first leg, but not going to argue with that. Um, sending Chelsea into the Champions League final. Additionally, uh, he did appear off the bench in the 1-0 victory over Manchester City, um, becoming the first American to ever win the Champions League. Pretty exciting. Additionally, uh, something I want to call out, uh, explaining in NBA terms, um, I don't know if any of you have seen the, what is it, the Chicago Bulls or the Michael Jordan uh, six-part series, um, but similar to how Jordan had Tony Kukoc on the team, um, and he was supposed to be the next up-and-coming guy, um, and Kukoc definitely came into that team and performed when he had to, um, and really was one of the first um overseas players to play um christian was the one of the very first united states players to play um making that impact definitely providing a little bit of uh a kick and a catalyst to uh the champions league winning team of chelsea Ho, ho, ho. Let's let's hold on there because the number one that I'm going to talk about, my personal favorite, having been at the game, uh, was the November 21 man in the mirror moment. For those of you that remember, uh, Christian was coming off a little bit of an injury and so wasn't able to start that game, but got subbed on somewhere around the 50-60th minute and was almost an immediate impact, uh, breaking the deadlock against Mexico in a World Cup qualifier, massive game, hosted in Cincinnati, uh, rather, um, and ended up doing the exact same thing as Max is saying, throwing a shirt around, uh, revealing his undershirt man in the mirror, uh, which is a testament to Guillermo Ochoa, Mexico's goalkeeper, saying, Um, the United States, when they look in the mirror, they see Mexico as we were looking to emulate them and everything that we were doing as up until that time, there was quite a bit of, um, back and forth on whether we were better or Mexico was better. Historically it had been Mexico. Um, and they definitely shown that, but that was, um, a bit of a turning point in the, uh, national kind of areas. So 
The show loves analogies. Uh, for the average uh, soccer fan, how would you describe the U.S.-Mexico rivalry, uh, assuming the global stage is the league? I mean, in a global context, like relatively speaking, the U.S. and Mexico are relatively insignificant, I think, in international soccer-wise. I mean, it is a pretty good rivalry. I would, I would describe it... Harvard-Yale in the sense of college football. Yes, that's actually that's a, that's a, that's a, a great pretty, call. Ha- Harvard-Yale would be a good... It's a fierce rivalry between the two. A few, the teams definitely have... A, some, small crowds. Yes, but small crowds. Well, not Mexico. Um, yeah, no, Mexico really does care probably a lot more as country mm-hmm. as well. I, I think that's a good analogy, though. Would, uh, yeah, I would say similar to maybe in conference championships, you're going to get a lot more players or a lot more people come to the games. You're going to get a lot more hate on both sides. In that game, there was definitely a lot of hate, um, but we came out on top, and it was great to see. From what I remember, I was, in fact, a little intoxicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Next big moment mm-hmm. is uh, March 2022, um, Christian Pulisic's hat trick against Panama, um, which effectively – sent us to the World Cup, which was pretty big uh, to see from Christian. Yeah. Um, and one thing that uh, our producer wanted to mention was definitely that this was a bit of a cathartic experience making this list, um, looking back on the career of such a young talent, uh, but someone so important in the United States men's national team history and definitely the team building up into the World Cup. Had a, quite a few high and lows, and I think we talked about – the first high that we were talking about is in 2017. So pretty much all since that last World Cup. They've all been spanned in that very small amount of time. He's done a lot of growing up, and we're excited to see the more mature product that is mm-hmm. Christian Pulisic at this age. Yeah, and I will say, you know, Christian Pulisic, it really, he really kind of feels like Perry Ellis in a way, in the sense that like he feels like he's been around forever, but he's only 23. <laughs> I feel like this guy has been around since I've started caring really about U.S. soccer, but he's still so young, relatively speaking. And, and going through this list, I think, I, has made me realize, because in my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, his career's still ramping up. He's kind of, you know, still kind of breaking, breaking out, but he's already kind of done a lot, which is, you know, this, this was a good, um, a good way to really highlight that, I think, with these rapid-fire moments. Just, just to remember correctly Perry Ellis is the dude for Kansas Kansas yeah came in when he was like 17 and Perry Ellis I could have also said maybe Hunter Renfro like he's just been around forever Mm -hmm. um but he's really still you know quite quite fresh but uh yeah gotcha and lastly, a little bit of homework for all the people out there that are interested in learning a little bit more outside the podcast uh, is the Players' Tribune article about missing the World Cup, uh, really talking Christian Pulisic through his experience with uh, why he thinks we missed the World Cup and why so many players are moving towards moving to Europe um, and gaining experience there and why he did it uh, from his own perspective. So uh, that's pretty much all we had for today. As always, thank you for listening and have a good rest of your day. 34 days left. All right.